Welcome to the top sports podcast you'll listen to this hour. This is the Marston Sipe Sports Podcast featuring Yanch. Here again for another episode of the Marst and Sipe Sports Podcast featuring Yach. And uh, welcome back. Uh, we're excited to have you here for another edition of this. Ben Sykes is still out, so no Sipe today, but Yach is still Hallelujah. here, Josiah Evans. Yach, how you doing? You know me. I'm living the dream. Today was a day off, so I got to sleep in and uh, was going to go to Walmart, and then it started pouring down rain we were under flood advisory and potential tornado warning so living the dream living that oklahoma city dream right there absolutely very cool well i'm just over here in magnolia arkansas and it's been sunny all day which they say is a bad sign because we're gonna get your storms that you're getting now we get them later tonight so guilty as charged they say if it's been sunny all day before a storm it's a bad sign that is a bad sign but at least you were in the playboy cardi city of arkansas magnolia you're probably the only person that has ever called it that ever um but i I guarantee you if more people knew about magnolia arkansas they'd say oh yeah the playboy cardi city of arkansas okay well just speaking truthfully marsh if you're out there listening and have been to Magnolia, Arkansas, you can send us a tweet or something and let us know if you think the same way as Yach on that. Um, I wouldn't call it that, but you know, maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's a popular, unpopular opinion. Yeah, and that's why it's the Playboy Cardi City, because he's a, he's got a song called Magnolia. So, anywho, See, I, I didn't even know that. There goes our so intro music. All right. Well, we are ready to talk about things other than just magnolia um and weather so that's not the podcast that we're on today we're on the sports podcast Fair enough so uh the nba playoffs are happening we're midway through the or well kind of midway through for some of the series at least for the first round of the nba playoffs and some of them are looking like probably we're on the last legs of it like i think about there are a couple series right now where teams are up uh up 2-0 at the time that we're recording this, and it's not looking so good. I think your Clippers prediction might be a little bit off. I'm, I'm thinking Dallas is about to pull off a sweep. Yeah, I'm going to hope that uh, not too many people on here listen to the last podcast, because I picked the Clippers. It was the last time I'm ever going to pick them if they end up losing, uh, and I think that they, I think they don't stand much of a chance now. They aren't a team that's built to come from behind. Um, in a series, and they're behind 2-0 right now. Um, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, that man, Luka Doncic, is on fire. He is, okay, so all season we wanted Luka to play like an MVP. And now in the playoffs, he's playing like an yep. MVP. I think he's the reverse of Paul George. Like, you get to the, mm. you get to the playoffs, and all of a sudden, <laughs> unstoppable. Luca appears and Paul George disappears. Mm-hmm. That's what we seem to be watching right it now. But I mean, there's other series too, like the the Heat got absolutely destroyed by Milwaukee uh, in Game Two. Yeah, I saw something the other day that made me laugh out loud. Um, it was uh, shout out to Eric Bledsoe, uh, first defensive uh, All NBA, and 
candidate for defensive player of the year as he prevents both teams from scoring. Um, <laughs> I got a good laugh out of that. So that that trade in the offseason for Drew Holiday was huge for the Bucks. And I mean, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I think Drew Holiday is like solidifying himself as a top 10 point guard in the NBA right now. And so, oh, without a doubt. I I think that the guy, I mean, you can see the difference on the court. This was a Bucks team that was supposed to be doing this in their last couple years. Um, when they had Giannis, you know, whether he deserved it or not, he was the MVP those two years and uh, number one seed going into the playoffs. And they couldn't do it. And now they've shifted things around, made a lot of trades um, in the offseason. And Drew Holiday has to be considered one of the best pickups of the entire offseason, I think, because of the way that they're playing right now in the first round, at least. Now, second round, everything could change. But right now, they're looking pretty sharp. Depends on who they get in the second round, of course. Um, so I'm interested to see how the East continues to develop. Uh, my favorite series right now, just because it's getting so chippy, um, it's the two teams that nobody thought was were going to show up at all. It's the Knicks and the Hawks. This series, this young rivalry that's starting to bud, I mean, you can tell that Trey, Trey Young legitimately hates the Knicks fan base, and he he's ready to have them back in the A. He, he's saying, I'll see you in the A. I'll see you in the A at the end of last game. Um, Tied 1-1. I could see it going to 7. I could see it being the most exciting series of the first round. And so, Absolutely. I think that that's... What are your thoughts on that? That's the one to watch. Um, out of any of the series right now, if you're looking at these and you're... I mean, there's that one and then there's the Phoenix-LA one. Those are the two that it's like, what's going to happen? Oh, yeah. Um, the other series, I mean, there's Denver-Portland. That That's a big one. But, I mean, there was a blowout that happened in that last game between the two. So, I mean, right now, if I had to pick the must-watch series, it's the Hawks and the Knicks, just because I think coming out of that series even, mm. having played, because I think it will go seven, and having played those types of games in a packed-out uh, Madison Square Garden, and we'll see what they can do in Atlanta as far as crowd goes, I think they're going to be charged up and ready for whoever they face next, uh, which is looking like it's probably going to be mm. Brooklyn, I believe, if I have the seating right here. Um, which, who knows? <laughs> I think... Is it Brooklyn or is it the Bucks? Would they play the 76ers? It looks like they would play Sixers. Yep. Yep. I, th- I thought it was... Uh, so, I mean, I... 1-4. The Sixers are looking all right, but, I mean, think or, about it. Yeah. Coming out of... The Sixers are going to coming out of that Wizards series, which, if they don't start making a move now, especially with it looks like Westbrook might be a little banged up, uh, that's going to be yeah. a kind of boring series by the end of it and then you have the Knicks uh and the Hawks that are mm. coming out after a fired up competitive series they might catch the Sixers sleeping a little bit going into that round oh yeah and with uh Ben Simmons resume in the playoffs um I don't I don't necessarily trust him against a built team because um, I mean the Wizards are they are a quality NBA team but I don't think they are as built as either the Hawks or the Knicks. I think that the, that both of their teams have so much depth and so many young stars that are still rising. Um, and then Sixers, you have options all around, and I think that Tobias Harris might be second-best third option in the NBA. Number one is Kyrie, but um, it it would be – I think that would be an interesting series. I would probably enjoy that one. More than I would a 
Milwaukee Brooklyn series next round because I think that I think that Brooklyn is just going to handle Milwaukee pretty easily. Um, I don't see a world where Milwaukee even makes it a challenge just because of how they tend to fall apart. But it is interesting to see them playing with Drew Holiday um, and comparing that roster they have now compared to last year. So I'm I am interested to see second round moving forward, but. Again, the East is just an open field. There's so much, so much potential for anyone yeah. to make it out of the East, and so I'm definitely more interested there than in the West. I think that uh, the Mavs, I could see the Mavs making it to the Western Conference Finals because um, they're handling the Clippers pretty easily, and I think that they're going to, with how on fire they are, be able to handle either the Jazz or the Grizzlies pretty easily, and so and then. On the other end of the bracket, um, I think whoever wins Phoenix LA is going to be meeting them in the Western Conference Finals. I don't know what you think about that, but go ahead and give me your thoughts on that. I could see that. Um, the thing that just I'm still not sure with LA, and it's honestly not a LeBron thing, uh, which most people would be thinking, but it's really just they haven't. I know this last game they beat Phoenix. Um, to make it one-to-one, but they haven't just looked overly impressive in any of the games that they've played here recently. Uh, even beating Golden State, Golden State lost in the next uh, next game they played, and they only scored 103 points to beat them. I mean, this is the... Which, again, we, <laughs> we, uh, we talked about last week, I think, was whenever we talked about Oh, there's no way Memphis... Because we, uh-huh. we did talk about play in tournament last week. And so uh, <laughs> I will say that I was the only one that had a little bit of faith in Memphis. So There you go. Like credit hey. where credit is due. But, you know, John Morant. Yeah. That guy, he, that guy's killing he's it. He's looking right unreal right now. He really is. I mean, he's that making 47 his... 47-point game. Yeah. He's making himself known. Those younger players Most... are really showing out this week. Yeah. Or this... Uh, playoffs so far which is another interesting thing to see um because it is legitimately looking like the new generation is getting the torch passed to them this this oh, yeah. year more than more than ever um because i mean you got lebron as the seventh seed and i mean granted brooklyn is phenomenal and their stars are still their stars but they aren't talked about as much as the young guys as uh as a Luka, as a John Morant, as uh, Jokic, um, as I mean, Damian Lillard's been in the spotlight for a while, but I still view him. I don't know why I still view him as way younger than he actually is. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting to see that torch being passed again to guys like Trey Young, um, Julius Randle. But well, I think it creates a really good narrative too. I mean, even just going back to real quick with the Lakers and Suns series. Uh, like I said, the Lakers haven't played great uh, that Booker. I've seen so far because they beat the Warriors, who lost in the next round, didn't make the playoffs, uh, but they only scored 103 points. Yeah. Then they scored 90 points against the Suns with Chris Paul. But then it was last game, mostly without Chris Paul down the stretch. I mean, I know they pulled away at the end, but it was still kind of close, and they only had 109. So this team isn't offensively. They aren't just killing it right now. And you have this dynamic of, I know Chris Paul's on the other side and he's one of the older stars, but Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton uh, maybe trying to 
take the torch a little bit from LeBron James there. And then in the East, if the Nets run the table there, but they're going to have to face young stars the whole way. Because, um, I mean, right now with the Celtics, you mm-hmm. got Jason Tatum. Um, and even though they aren't putting up much of a fight, that's a young star. Next round, um, you're very likely going to face another young star there. And then if you get to the finals, I mean, you could be facing... I mean, Giannis is in the next round, I guess, for them, probably. And then uh, in the Eastern Conference yeah. Finals, there's a chance you could be facing Trey Young or Julius Randle there, uh, or Joel Embiid. So, I mean, it's a constant passing the torch there. Um, and it's just, it's interesting to see the whole way. It really is the younger players and the older players just facing off against each other and who's going to win out. I think it'll be Brooklyn. I think for one more year... It's going to be those older veteran players who point out because, I mean, they are just on another level, not only offensively but defensively right now. Absolutely. I Maybe just a little bit. Uh, I mean, I figure most people can agree with me on this. I, I'm, I'm ready for the era of LeBron making the finals to be over. Again, I, he, he is... I would say he's my number two, like, in all seriousness. Not to just yank on your chain like I did last week, but um, the fact <laughs> that he's made nine of the last ten finals, um, it, you want to see different faces there. But um, I don't know. Again, that kind of, uh, that kind of shows his, uh, his legacy and how important he's been to basketball, that he, he has been in nine of the last ten finals, um, which is insane insanity and he more than likely would have made uh that tenth if he had stayed healthy his first year with the Lakers. I don't know. I don't know, but Yeah. Um I mean it's been I mean we're talking a decade plus that LeBron James has run the league in a lot of ways. Um thinking about his mm. Eastern Conference days, I mean it was always this team is looking good, that team's looking good but yeah, LeBron is there. So they're gonna have to get through LeBron and that's not happening. Um, and so I just remember how much, how much I wanted to see, cause I mean, I am a LeBron hater, but also just, I love the NBA and I want to see some of those Eastern Conference teams make a run at something. Um, that Pacers team back with mm-hmm. Paul George and them, they were fun to watch. Uh, the times that Carmelo, the couple of times that Carmelo had the Knicks going, they were fun to watch. Um, there were some teams oh. over there that it would have been fun to see a run come out of them, but you always knew LeBron's going to be waiting right around the corner. Um, and so it may. I think that there is some LeBron fatigue across the league for fans. Uh, just kind of like, okay, I think we're, I think we're kind of tired of seeing him excel each time. It'd be neat to see a team really challenge him. Um, and so I think that this year might again, be the year. We're gonna we're gonna look back at that in uh, ten, twenty years and realize how impressive that is to run the league the way that LeBron has ran the league. Um, and I think it'll be a lot easier to throw him into the goat conversation whenever his career finally wraps up. Um, uh, this That's year, true. if he manages to pull it off as a seven seed, is going to play a huge part in that conversation. Um, coming off of all of his injuries, whether they are over exaggerated or not, um, 
We have a banged-up 36-year-old LeBron at the seventh seed uh, making his way to the finals for <laughs> the tenth time in 11 years, which would be wild. Wild. Um, and so... It's unheard of. Again, I mean, it it's is... Just, it's it is unbelievable. Yeah. It weighs you down because you're just ready for him to step off into the sunset, but also you're... It's important to appreciate it while it's still here because it's, it's going to be gone sooner rather than later now. Um, his career is winding down. His greatness is winding down. But, I mean, again, we've been saying that for a while. So it's, it'll be interesting to see um, what these next few years looks like, look like for the NBA and for LeBron's legacy. Yeah. And, I mean, can I – I just think when LeBron – because this was the other – Thing too, while he was in the East for so long, everyone was saying, "Yeah, but it's the East." When he goes to the West, it's not going to happen. When he goes to the West, it's not going to happen. Well, take one year away, and the next year they win the championship. Um, so I mean, yep. it's not an East-West thing. It's a LeBron is just that good, uh, and you can say whatever you want about him having teammates around him. He helped recruit those teammates. That's part of something that he did, part of his legacy. So I mean, but that's something too that I was. But I mean that. Go ahead. Uh, that's that's just another thing about his legacy is that you you aren't able to play GM if you aren't the best player in the NBA. You aren't able to recruit players around you if yeah. you aren't the best player in the NBA. Um, and so the fact that he has players that want to play with him um, is truly impressive. Um, you see that with uh, Steph Curry recruiting Kevin Durant and then Kevin Durant recruiting Kyrie Irving. Um, and so... and both of them recruiting James Harden. I mean, there are just few and far between those kind of players that can make those recruiting efforts um, and their teams not get upset at them uh, for trying to meddle with being in the GM office. Um, so, so that brings up... Like, imagine if Markeith Morris one day just asked to recruit Marcus to the team. What, <laughs> what if the Morris twins were like, hey, you need to make a, you need to make a trade for my brother. Or if, like Brooke Lopez tried to recruit Robin Lopez back to the Bucks, because you, I mean, yeah. it's just there are just few players that can do that can do that, and so, yeah, you were, you were saying, no, I mean, it does it just shows his status, it shows his legacy, it's really incredible, um, but it does bring bring up an interesting question with these older players now, because that's really where we're starting to see it most, is we're seeing it from the more veteran players. I mean, LeBron James have been in the league. Um, then you bring up guys like... Uh, you bring up guys like... Sorry, just my mind. Steph Curry recruiting uh, KD, and the whole Kyrie-KD teaming up, and then they get Harden. Um, you're seeing these older players reaching out to younger players or to other players, other older players, and saying, hey, let's team up and let's get a ring. Let's team up and let's get a ring. Which I think it, it makes sense down the stretch of your career. If you haven't won one, it's time to time to solidify that. But these younger players now, they're starting to burst onto the scene. Um, and we're talking about passing the torch. If you got a player like Trey Young who loves Atlanta right now, and you have a player like Julius Randle who's become the guy to revive Knicks basketball, all these things, you start wondering if they start getting really solidified in their city, uh, Luka Doncic in Dallas. I mean, if they start building kind of an empire there, is there going to be as much of that when they get older? I know there's a lot of time in between, but 
it's kind of an interesting thing to see because LeBron, LeBron left Cleveland and went to Miami. Then he went back to Cleveland. Like, he moved around a little bit. Um, obviously, the KD move was a big one, but by the time that he ended up in Brooklyn with Kyrie, they were both on their third team. So, I mean, is this a thing that might phase out as we continue to see these older stars phase out? I don't know if these younger players are going to be as into teaming up. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Um, I had seen something about uh, <laughs> European Invasion wanting to team up um, with <laughs> with Jokic, Luka, and Giannis potentially wanting to be on the same team someday. And I just don't know how that would happen. But if it did happen, I would. They would win. <laughs> they would win ten series in a row. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I I'm seeing a lot of these younger players like really embracing their cities and really embracing their teams. Um, now, granted, guys like KD, guys like LeBron embrace their teams early on in their careers, um, and of course that's because they are restricted free agents after their first four years in a city and so um and then you have to sign on for another couple of years to stay um but eventually they are able to either maneuver their way out of those contracts or get traded uh demand a sign and trade um so it'll be interesting to see if these young guys embrace their cities i i could see jason tatum and jalen brown wanting to stay together for a majority of their careers in boston um i could see a guy like Jokic wanting to stay in uh, denver for his whole career um i could see trey young embracing atlanta and staying in atlanta or he could have a little homecoming to okc i wouldn't be opposed to that <laughs> um but yeah uh I th- I th- it'll be interesting to see um, how this younger generation continues to go. I think John ja- ja Morant is going to embrace Memphis. Memphis is going to do everything in their power to keep him. Smaller market, but also like the the impact that John ja Morant is having in Memphis. Um, Absolutely, he's he is yeah he is the most important piece that franchise has seen. Um, granted, they are a young franchise, but also like I I don't see players that have been in Memphis that have had the impact or the importance that John Morant has had. Some may say that he is making an early case for being the uh, more important of the two between him and Zion. That was a big debate whenever they were making their way into the NBA. But again, we had that conversation a while ago of would you would you think that the uh, Pelicans might be a playoff team if they have Julius Randle instead of Zion? Mm. Um, and so... It's gonna. I think that Zion is a walking double double, but um, his his leadership aspects need to grow. Um, well, in order for him, he's to more be of a limping double double right now. He yeah. can't seem to stay healthy. Yeah. If I mean, you can only take so many lands after ferocious dunks like he throws down at two hundred eighty five pounds. Um, his knees are going to give out on him. Way sooner than most people, and we may have another Blake Griffin on our hands. Um, but I don't see him. <laughs> I don't see him developing into a Zach Randolph type of player that just bullies people around because of his size. Um, if he doesn't have that leaping ability, because uh, his post moves really aren't there, his shooting ability isn't as top tier as Zach Randolph's was, um, and so. I hope that Zion doesn't <laughs> fade out early, but also uh, that is a fear. So, Yeah, I mean, and it's 
it's going to continue to be a fear, but it it's amazing right now watching the league and just seeing it. It's almost like, sometimes it's almost like overload, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if you ever go through this, but when you're turning on, like, Netflix or Disney+, Plus, especially Disney+, Plus, when Disney+, Plus first came out, and it's like all these shows, it's like, oh, man, so many shows that I just love to watch, and I don't know where to even start. Mm-hmm. And... It feels like the league right now, there's so many young stars and so many older stars who are doing something oh, spectacular yeah. every night that it just can almost become mm. like a, like an overload. Like you switch through the games, like I don't know, through these playoffs already even. Sometimes when the games overlap, I'm switching back and forth because I don't want to miss what's happening. Uh, I don't want to miss even what Westbrook is doing for the Wizards. But then you got Luca going yeah. off against the Clippers on the other side. So it's just incredible right now. And I feel like just so many options of where the future could go. Absolutely. There's no clear-cut star to lead the way, and that is exciting to see. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see the NBA in five years. I think it'll be uh, – it'll solidify itself as the best league out there. Um, Oh, yeah, we were... So if you had to... Looking to maybe take a break, Rick? Oh, sorry. Real what quick, just one more question before we head out. Yeah. If you had to pick one of those stars, just kind of close out this segment, pick one of those young stars, we're talking 25 or younger, that's going to be the next one to win the MVP, who would you pick? Luca. Yeah. I'm, I'm still taking Luca. I mean... Uh, is Jokic 26? I feel like Jokic is 26. Um, because he's winning it this year. Yes. No doubt about that. So, like, yeah, he's 26. Starting next year. So, um, who would you look for? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I think that you have to go with Luca, especially if he carries over this style of play. If he solidifies himself as, like, hey, I, I am a force to be reckoned with in the West. It wouldn't surprise me if he was able to do some recruiting and bring in someone like Kawhi. Um, and then they form a super team, and uh, Chris Tapps is able to be the third option because, unfortunately, Chris Tapps is just not not good enough to be a two right now, uh, the number two option. And so uh, you bring in a guy like Kawhi who can elevate Luka's game and let him be um, an ISO player where he's not getting doubled all the time because there is another superstar on the floor that you have to watch out for. Um, cause I don't think Kawhi's staying with the Clippers after this season. I think he's opting out of his player option and he's going to sign somewhere. Um, and he's, I think he's going to team up with a younger star. Maybe a Texas um, homecoming. I think that a little Texas homecoming. Yeah. Um, which would be interesting to see. I think that, um, I could also see him going back to the East just cause of, <laughs> just cause of how easy the East was for him. <laughs> um, he just... His one season in the Eastern Conference. He's one for one over there. Out of this world. One yeah. One season, one championship. Um, and so, I I could see him going to, oh, what would be a good fit for him in the East? Uh, the New York Knicks. Uh, that would be <laughs> He could go to Atlanta. Uh, Derrick Rose, Kawhi Leonard, it, and Julius Randle. That would be... Julius Randle. Mitchell Robinson developing into <laughs> a... Big time five. I could see Emmanuel him quickly taking a step to being gay. Yes. Yeah, and you got other rotational pieces. You got um, R.J. Barrett. That would 
be a six-man-of-the-year candidate, in my opinion, oh, for sure. if, if they don't start him at the two. Um, yeah, that I mean, if Kawhi found his way to, in New York, uh, Nick basketball would be even more <laughs> of an appreciated team uh, than it is now because I think that there are so many people that are just wanting to see the Knicks succeed this year, but if you bring in a guy like Kawhi, they – there's going to be a lot of bandwagons that jump on and say, the Knicks are my favorite team. They always have been. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, yeah, I could, I could see him going to either of those teams, uh, the Knicks or the Hawks, especially depending on how that series goes. Because uh, I think Kawhi is watching every other team right now, um, trying to figure out where his next move is going to be. I don't see him going to any team that missed the playoffs this year. Uh, he's definitely not going back to Toronto. Um, no. So that'll be it. I, I think that that will be um, that'll be someone to look out for this offseason because I don't think Kawhi is going back to the Clippers. And we're we're getting a, I'm getting ahead of myself talking about free agency <laughs> oh, while good. we're still in the uh, playoffs. But it's hard not to yeah, look ahead. I, I just get excited about. Yeah. No, I agree. I Luka... just get excited about offseason because. Go ahead. Luca. Um, Oh, no, I was just talking about how NBA offseason is so much more exciting than the NFL offseason. And then you look at the regular season, NFL is a, a whole lot more exciting than uh, NBA regular season. Uh, whereas, like, both playoffs are pretty intense, pretty exciting. Um, but NBA offseason is unparalleled um, whenever you're comparing it to other other leagues in, in their offseasons. Because... Um, NFL offseason just isn't super exciting. Um, <laughs> whenever Tim Tebow is one of the biggest talked about topics in, <laughs> in free agency for the NFL. I mean, what does that really say about the NFL's offseason? So, um, yeah, I get super excited about the NBA offseason. And that is something I'm looking forward to talking about here in a couple of months. Absolutely. It's the best offseason in sports, uh, without a doubt, um, the way they have that lined up. But I agree with the Luka comment. Uh, I won't say too much on that, except I think the Boston Celtics are going to part ways with Brad Stevens after this season, which is a kind of sad thing because he's been successful as a coach. But I think that they need a new voice in there, a whole new whole new style. Um, and I wouldn't count out Jason Tatum just because of his scoring ability as a dark horse. If he goes off on a season and just raises that uh, bar and the Celtics can go on a couple win streaks... Uh, maybe make a push in the regular season towards a one or two seed. He could be an outside pick for uh, MVP in the coming years just because of that raw scoring ability that he has. I could definitely see that. One big thing that I think needs to happen if Jason Tatum is going to be able to take a step to be an MVP candidate, you have to get Kimball Walker out of there. Uh, In my opinion, Kimball Walker is holding back the Celtics team from being great. Mm. They are a good team. They are a contending team, but Kimball Walker just holds them back. And I think if you get a better point guard for that system, um, someone who's a little more pass-happy um, and wants to facilitate to the offense rather than being a scoring option like Kimba is, and with his injury history, um, if you could pull off a trade for, um, again, he is still young. I'm, I'm not giving up hope on him yet. I don't know if I've talked about him much at all but I think Lonzo Ball still has a chance to take a step Mm. and become a 
solid NBA point guard. Um, I could see. I a, think that his court vision is unmatched. Yeah, if if you if you make a move where you trade Kimba just based on name value to the um, to the Pelicans, um, a team that is fringe playoffs and wants to bring in veteran leadership, um, and they are you you hope that they're going to jump from the Lonzo uh, boat early. Um, if Boston's able to make that move and bring in Lonzo for, uh, if Danny Ainge can make that happen, I think that that would be an absolute steal if we're looking years down the road. Um, Kimba for Lonzo trade. I don't know what other pieces would have to be moved to make that happen, but I think that Danny Ainge would continue to build on his GM legacy and <laughs> continue to show himself as being a one of the best GMs the NBA has ever seen if he's able to fleece uh, the Pelicans for that. Absolutely, and I could see that happening, uh, honestly, or another move that I don't necessarily see happening, but it would be kind of incredible, a name to throw out there, young point guard, DeJounte Murray with the Spurs. I don't know if the Spurs would ever give him up, but Mm. he would be somebody who could really play well. He's a defensive-minded point guard who likes to pass the ball uh, up there with Mm. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It could be a good fit. Uh, I think that uh, Popovich is a little harder to fleece than... Uh, whoever's running the show down in New Orleans. So I'd assume so. I don't see that happening. Because I think that DeJounte Murray is one of the more underrated rising stars in the NBA as well. Absolutely. Um, that, that, that was a really good take, Andrew. Um, and so I think that, yeah, I, I don't see them ever, ever moving on from DeJounte Murray unless if he requests a trade, which... Again, I don't see him having that sort of ego to demand his way out. No, that Spurs culture seems pretty... They need to to start bringing pieces around him. That Spurs culture seems to run pretty deep down there. So Mm -hmm. it'll be good to keep on watching the future of the NBA and the future of these playoffs. We're watching the torch pass, but for now, we're going to pass right into the next segment. So we'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Marston Sykes Sports Podcast featuring Yach. And speaking of passing, uh, there's been a guy that's been passing the ball in Atlanta for a long time. His name's Matt Ryan, a former NFL league MVP, um, led his team to the Super Bowl, and they fell apart against the New England Patriots. 28-3 is a bitter taste in a lot of Falcons fans' mouth. Um, And now uh one of the guys that has been on the receiving end on many of those passes over the last decade um Julio Jones has requested a trade um he's requested his way out of Atlanta and so with that Julio Jones where do you think he's going to end up if you had to take a look at the NFL right now um you see Guys like DeAndre Hopkins doing some recruiting, uh, willing to restructure his contract to welcome in welcome him into Arizona. You have teams that need a legitimate wide receiver one that would be willing to give up more draft capital to make it happen. Where, if you had to list three destinations of you that you think would be ideal landing spots for Julio, what would your what would your three ideal landing spots be? Give some reasons why, and then. I'll give I'll give mine as well. Um, for where would Julio want to be? 
I think he'd want to be with an established quarterback, an established team. Um, he said earlier this week, I heard him say, talking about how he wants to win, um, and he wants to win now, so that's going to be the main driving force for him. Uh, and I would love to see, I mean, where I would like to see him. And he's not going to do that in Dallas. No, not going to do that in Dallas. He was very, very certain on that. Although, I'll say this. <laughs> well, Shannon Sharp was a little more yeah, certain about that than he was. Uh, but, yeah, go ahead. I'll say this. Because I heard this earlier. Somebody gave this take, and I really agreed. Dallas, I don't think is going to win a whole lot this year. Um, that's just my opinion on it. And it's not going to be their offense's fault at all. Their offense is going to be ready to roll. And so if Julio Jones did go there, he'd have an unbelievable season. But he wouldn't get the goal accomplished of winning. You have a bona fide superstar quarterback. And, yeah, bona fide superstar quarterback. A full receiver room. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they gave up Michael Gallup in a trade. If mm-hmm. that if that were to be his landing spot. But um, <laughs> I think that that passing attack is going to be something dangerous next season. Um, I... I think that they should jump off the Zeke train early. I think that they should trade him here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, trade him before his again, that's before he slows down. But, uh, but I think <laughs> he's gonna be looking. Which you may you can make the argument that he started it's to true. slow down last season, um, and so it may be time to move him. Like this trade deadline, just like oh, Zeke just needs a better offensive line. Zeke just needs a different situation. So if you'll give us a first round pick. We'll we'll let you uh, use your better offensive line than we have. Wink, wink. Um, but <laughs> that's another conversation down the road as well. Um, so my top so, three. Yeah, you were saying. Julio Jones is going to want to go to a place where he can yes. win right away. And I think that those places, looking at it right off the bat, Absolutely. I would be looking, if I'm him, I don't think that these are the places that he's looking at from what I'm hearing, but I'd be looking at Baltimore, get him up there with, Lamar Jackson, that's been one of the criticisms of them, is they haven't had that star wideout to be able to give him a target to throw to. He could be great up there um, and might be a piece that they need to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs. I could see him in a place, um, if he really wants to win and make a long a long push, I could see him going to wanting to go to a place like Arizona with a young quarterback where they have some pieces where they're in a place to play. Um, and then my last pick, and people can make fun of me for this because they are my favorite team, but the New Orleans Saints, because I'm going to get it in again. I think we've mentioned him every podcast episode we've had so far. So here's the weekly mention of Jameis Winston. Um, but if he's going to be the guy that they go for there in New Orleans, he's going to need great targets. And he has Michael Thomas. He has Elvin Kamara at running back. But can you imagine Michael Thomas and Julio Jones on the same team? That would give him... I mean, it would make up for any type of mistakes he could make, for a lot of the mistakes he could make at that quarterback spot. Uh, and that Saints defense is still built to win, and the offense still has a lot of pieces. I think one more piece could help get them over the hump on some of those tight games that they've been losing in the playoffs recently. I'm going to go ahead and shut down your hopes and dreams because the Falcons are not going to trade a generational talent like Julio Jones to their division rival. So, But it's nice to dream. Hey, I said it's probably not where he's going to go, it's, but it's, it's where I would want him to have. Um, uh, I could not agree more with the uh, Baltimore take. Uh, they're getting him completely out of their way, moving him up to the AFC. Um, and I think that he would make some an immediate impact, and Lamar would finally have a wide receiver one 
something that he's needed his whole career because Hollywood Brown is not a wide receiver one, uh, and no one else on that roster was going to be a wide receiver one. And so um, I think Baltimore would be a great landing spot. Um, I, I've i seen uh, conversations about uh, the Rams possibly making a move for him um, and including one of their receiving pieces, um, whether that be Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. But I was I I don't know if I would give up either of them for him. Yeah, I was about to mention the Rams, but they have so, so much talent already so at much that wide talent. receiver spot. You, I mean, even um, down the line, you have Deshaun Jackson. You have um, oh, what is that rookie's or sophomore mm-hmm. year player's name? Uh, Van Jefferson, I believe, um, looked good in the little bit of playing time he had last season with the Rams, and so there was conversation of like Jalen Ramsey was someone that was saying why wouldn't you or I think it was Jalen Ramsey I can't remember who said it but someone was like why wouldn't you want to be part of a winning culture um and so I could I could see the Rams trying to make that move I think that there would be some buyer's remorse on down the road but I I don't think Julio is going to be slowing down for the next few years I think that he would be a good investment if you're a win now team um and it is unfortunate for me as a Chiefs fan. Um, I think that we could restructure some contracts and make it happen, but I don't think that the Chiefs are going to be able to make that move. Um, but um, I have seen <laughs> I have seen reports that possibly the Chargers might make a move for him, um, which would be incredibly unfortunate for us because uh, they are a division rival. Um, but. Keenan Allen and Julio Jones might be might be one of the most disgusting receiver duos to ever play the game of football. And then you have a running back like Austin Eckler that's becoming a three-down back and is the feature back for them. And then you got young, up-and-coming quarterback in Justin Herbert. Um, and so I, while it is not ideal, um, and they have a solid defense to back them up, um, I, I could see the Chargers being an ideal landing location for Julio um, if he's wanting to win now and if he's wanting to uh, succeed. I don't I don't think anyone would necessarily want to move into Patrick Mahomes' neighborhood, um, but unless if you're, <laughs> if you're uh, moving into his house with him, uh, which, I, again, doesn't doesn't really make sense for the Aaron Rodgers reports of what him wanting to possibly play for the Broncos or the Raiders for me because why would they want to move into his neighborhood? Uh, same with Julio possibly going to the Chargers. Why would he want to move into the neighborhood? Um, but that was a report I saw and something that intrigued me from a fantasy perspective because if he's able to go somewhere and be the wide receiver too, he's going to be the best wide receiver too in the NFL possibly ever. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not off of the Julio train. I, I know that he had that hamstring injury last season that kind of slowed him down, but uh, he has played in 13 games every single season of his career besides two um, last season and a random season years ago. Um, and so I think that he does have a lot of longevity on his career. Um, people have said he's one of the more injury-prone stars. Um, but that's just a lot of recency bias. I think that he's going to bounce back and he's going to have another phenomenal Pro Bowl 
thousand plus yard receiving season wherever he lands, wherever he ends up. Um, and again, those implications for the rest of the league. Um, I think that wherever he lands, wherever he ends up, he's going to uh, play a part on a playoff team that's going to make the playoffs and probably be a high seed. Uh, for the Falcons, it means that they're going to have another top five pick, but I also could see it being a situation where we see a Pro Bowl rookie at tight end possibly allow Kyle Pitts to take a step to be that superstar that he is earlier than normally tight ends do because normally it takes tight ends a while to get acclimated to the NFL, but he's going to be Matt Ryan's number two option now that Julio's gone and Here's the thing about Kyle Pitts. If somebody I, gets him yeah. in fantasy, they're gonna have they're gonna have a point getter for him. I wouldn't take him early, early on, oh, yeah. but he's uh, a point getter. <laughs> I have had conversations with every single uh, fantasy league that I'm going to be in. At least one person in every single league that has said to me, "It's going to be a competition between the two of us of who can get Kyle Pitts first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because. Uh, I, if I if I don't get Kelsey, if I don't get uh, Darren Waller, not fully sold on George Kittle this season just with the quarterback questions. Um, again, also maybe not sold on Darren Waller, especially for how high they're going in the draft. Um, I, I think that my personal tight end ranking of who I want on my fantasy squad going into the 2021 season right now would be Travis Kelsey way up there, but I don't know if I'm willing to risk that first-round pick on him uh, or Kyle Pitts in a later round. Um, so Kyle Pitts might be my number number two option personally just for based on draft position, uh, value, um, and being able to build a roster around him, uh, maybe getting three running backs on my roster and a wide receiver one on my roster before getting a tight end on my roster. Um, and so I don't know. I think Kyle Pitts is going to have a lot of value. Um, hopefully he doesn't get overvalued here soon. Um, and people are still able to snag him in like the sixth, seventh or eighth round. Um, but well, and I think it'll be interesting to see. I think it says a lot about Kyle Pitts. I mean, I know he's just a rookie. We're just, it's all at this point projection. What's it going to look like? Uh, but it says a lot about Kyle Pitts that they draft him and they're saying, okay, we're going to draft him and we're going to be willing to go with Julio Jones. Um, it says a lot about the state of the yep. Falcons' offense as a whole because I don't think, honestly, I think they're going to give up Julio Jones and I don't think they're going to miss him too much. Um, and that says a lot about where they are and their offense. Uh, and here's the thing about that offense, too. Um, with Matt Ryan at the helm, uh, Matt Ryan loves his tight ends. Um you have Tony Gonzalez for the back end of his career, spending it with Atlanta, um, being a Pro Bowl tight end, being a uh, face that we were familiar to, uh, and his career continuing to solidify <clears throat> uh, his legacy, even in Atlanta whenever he's older in age. And you, you question whether it's because he's one of the greatest tight ends of all time. And then <laughs> Matt Ryan uses random guys like Austin Hooper, and Hayden Hurst, and he makes them <laughs> top 10 tight ends in fantasy year after year. So it is going to be interesting to see a generational tight end like Kyle Pitts in a system with Matt Ryan, who loves his tight ends. Um, and mm-hmm. so, uh, again, 
you might get top five tight end value in in a later round with Kyle Pitts. Um, and I'm hoping that projections don't get screwed up and he moves up to be a fourth round pick because I don't know if he's worth a fourth round pick. But um, definitely, definitely, definitely the implications for Atlanta will be um, Kyle Pitts is about to take a step, I think. And I think that Kyle Pitts is going to be Something special this season. Um, I'm interested to see Calvin Ridley not having Julio lined up across from him. Is he able to still be that wide receiver one? Is he still able to put up a thousand yard season, or is uh, is he being him being the only option uh, going to hinder his production? Because I mean, they're going to potentially run two tight end sets so that they can have Hurst and Pitts on the field, but. Um, you got your cornerback number one on <laughs> shadowing. Uh, Calvin Ridley all season, um, mm-hmm. and he's in a division where he faces Marshawn Lattimore twice a year. He's in a division where um, Carolina, who did they take? Uh, who was the corner that they took? I don't remember his name, but I remember I that remember, I mean, it's but, a good get for them. Um, it's going to be... What, it was either Sertain or J.C. Horn. I, I can't remember which mm-hmm. one they took. Um, but um, you're facing a young solid rookie who is worthy of a top 10 pick um you got uh you got the tampa bay buccaneers who have one of the best defensive units in football um so that's six games out of the year that uh ridley is going to have a difficult time uh and so i'm going to be interested to see what ridley does i am not buying on ridley um with julio leaving um I'm not really necessarily buying on any Falcons besides Kyle Pitts, maybe Mike Davis in later rounds, but that is something I won't talk about too much because I don't want to get you excited, Marst, um, and hopefully can have him for myself in our league. Um, but, yeah, I again, I think Atlanta's going to have another top five pick this year, but it's going to be interesting to see uh, what what Pitts can do for them. And... Uh, if that offense can finally start to click a little bit more and the post Julio Jones era, um, that defense is going to hold them back though. <laughs> and so I'm not expecting, not expecting four wins out of that team. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting thing to see. And I would just like to say real quick before we move on, if you're listening, I'm going to push this again. If you're hanging on to a late draft pick in fantasy, Look at Hunter Henry with the New, with the New England Patriots. If you still have that tight end spot open, we've been talking a lot about tight ends. If you still have that spot, go ahead and go for it. I promise you, you won't regret it. You'll thank me later. John, who has the tight end one spot? Maybe for now. It's gonna be John. Who it's not gonna. Maybe for now. I don't know. I'm not buying either of the Patriots tight ends. <laughs> I don't know why you're trying to buy into both of them, but I am also not going to complain because that means you are going to take Hunter Henry and you're probably going to start Hunter Henry. And I am not opposed to that. We will see. So We'll see. All right. Well, do we want to look to move on to the next segment? I'm good with that as long as you ask this uh, trivia question. Absolutely. We're going to have fun in that next segment. But uh, real quick, I have a question for our listeners out there. Just a quick trivia question about the NFL. What kicker in NFL history leads all kickers for the most passing yards in a career? 
So what kicker in NFL history leads all kickers for the most passing yards in a career? You might be surprised by the answer, but we'll have that next. You love to hate them. It's time for another edition of Unpopular Sports Opinions. And we are back. We left you with a trivia question just before the break. It was, what kicker in NFL history leads all kickers for the most passing yards in a career? The answer, George Blanda. Wow. George Blanda, he played for the Raiders for a time in his career. He played for a few teams, but especially was known for his later on career with the Raiders. And you might think a kicker doesn't get to pass too much. Well, he ended up playing QB and kicker throughout the course of his uh, college and pro career. Mm. And so he passed for 26,920 yards. Wow. Uh, but he also kicked over 300 field goals. Wow. Uh, and he converted which all would, those 300 field would, goals? So he, sorry, what was he that? He converted 300 field goals over his career along with 27,000 passing yards? Yes. Wow. He did. But... Now, before you get too impressed by that, he only had a 52.4% completion per, like, uh, not completion percentage, conversion percentage on those field goals. Interesting. So, you put him out there to kick, it's (laughs) 50-50 if you're going to get it or not. Um, And so, and he actually played until he was, like, 50. So, this guy played for a long time. Wow. uh, In the league. George Blanda. So. Yeah. George... Blame I remember us. having. Now you know. You can tell all your friends. I remember having his quarterback card and uh, like Madden thirteen as my quarterback. He was a ninety nine overall, just because really? George Blanda. And so I had him at my quarterback. Because George Blanda. Yep. So funny name. He had a one single Go bar put him on at. his helmet, and so I always get a good laugh out of <laughs> players in Madden that have a single bar on their face mask. Um, you used to be able to uh, make it where they didn't have a face mask, which was also a treat. Um, but, yeah, so I get a kick out of those old-school helmets where that's uh, that's where a lot of CTE happened. <laughs> Absolutely. So go ahead and put him at GOAT status because not only was he kicking field goals and getting passing yards, but he was doing it all very, very unsafely. So, you know, a daredevil in the league. Amen. Sorry. All right. Well, we're going to try something new. Uh, we're going to do something. Ben is out this week. It's just the two of us. Um, and so we're going to try something new. We're going to have a little game. I'm going to give you a lightning round of questions. Mm. So we're going to start some music while you're doing this just to build some intensity. Oh. Uh, and while we're going, uh, you're going to answer these questions that I have for you. We have four questions, just lightning round. I'm going to throw them at you, and we're going to go from there. All right. You ready? Sounds good. Let's do it. All right, question number one, starting now. In the NBA playoffs, we just saw Russell Westbrook and Trey Young have not-so-friendly encounters with fans. Mm. Both of them had a lot to say about it. LeBron had a lot to say about it. What do you have to say about those encounters with fans and NBA players? Uh, Fans just need to be respectful. Uh, You're there to enjoy basketball, not to... uh cause a commotion um i wish that we had a modern day ron artest to take those guys out uh but uh yeah i think that it's absolutely absurd to see fans doing things that ridiculous to get them banned for life from ever going back to 
uh, their perspective stadiums. Um, and that's just ridiculous. Um, I think that um, neither neither of those fan bases are necessarily, like, they haven't necessarily been super great to opposing teams in the past, but I think that there is a line, and I think both fans crossed it, uh, whether it was spitting on uh, Trey Young or throwing popcorn at an injured Russell Westbrook. I think that both were just ridiculous, way too far out of line, and so I think that fans just need to be better. Um, and that's my take on it. Fair enough. That's great. Yeah, I think just it's a level of respect that everyone deserves, and especially when you're a spectator who pays to watch them play and you're going to treat them like that, that's not okay. Um, all right, moving forward, next question. So this is a golf question, so I know we're both big golf Big uh, golf, golf guys, nerds. yeah. I'm not, at least. Um, but Brooks Koka and Bryson DeChambeau, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but they're two rising stars uh, in the world of golf and the PGA, and they have a pretty well-documented feud going on right now uh, between the two of them. Uh, DeChambeau was giving an interview, and Kopka was just walking behind him, and DeChambeau completely stopped the interview, rolled his eyes, and then commented about how he completely forgot the question hearing that guy walking behind him. Um, and so this is a growing feud. There have been other incidents going on, and obviously we just watched Phil Mickelson win a championship, or win a golf championship, all these things, but I think what might make me watch golf more is things like these feuds. What do you think? What would make you watch more golf? Is it important to have the personalities shine through? This is going to take a lot to make me want to watch golf. Um, I mean, it, <laughs> it, might, it might barely be, no, baseball's still more exciting <laughs> for me than golf is, but uh, there's just, there's not much to get a man excited about golf, uh, a guy like me. So uh, even if there was a fist fight between a couple of, uh, of yeah, tea a little, partners, a little happy, let's say they got matched like up a, and they start with a fist fight in the middle. Like a little happy Gilmore action, uh, just a physical altercation, get Bob Barker out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Absolutely. It would, like I, I love rivalries in sports. I love guys going at each other, but... Golf. We're talking about golf here. Um, something that I view as more golf. of like a casual pastime that people enjoy. I mean, I I would understand going and playing it, but just sitting and watching it just isn't for me. Uh, and so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, good to. I'm in the same boat with you. Good to hear that there's a rivalry forming between two young people that I forgot their names already, but. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> never have been, never will be a big golf guy. <laughs> it's getting pretty heated, so it'll be interesting to see if it uh, makes waves anywhere else. But right now, I think it's just pretty much well within that golf community, and neither one of us are much of a part of that. Mm. But we're talking about golf. Allen Iverson would have gotten some feuds if he was a golfer. <laughs> I can almost hear We're talking hear about practice. Um, Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about golf. We're talking about golf. All right, next question. Question number three. Tua Viola mm. uh, just said today or yesterday in an interview to the media 
his first year, he didn't really know the playbook very well. Um, and so going ahead and admitting that, looking forward to this season saying that he's hoping to do a little better. But what do you think about him being just so open to ready to say that to the media is, hey, I didn't know this playbook last year. Um, so there are two routes to that that I could see being the, the truth. Uh, route number one being he expected to be a backup to Ryan Fitzpatrick all season. So he didn't spend those first few weeks studying the playbook, uh, learning it, and uh, management decided to take a turn um, and plug him in, even though Fitzmagic had earned the starting role, in my opinion. Um, but anyways, that's a whole other conversation. Um, so maybe he didn't take the time to learn the playbook because he didn't think he was going to be playing. Um, that's option number one. Option number two, I... I think that maybe it was just a cop-out to say, uh, yeah, I was I was bad, um, uh, and the reason was I didn't know the playbook. Um, whereas he could easily make <laughs> any other excuse. Um, uh, my shoulder wasn't feeling well all season, or um, like it, it could just be an absolute excuse of, like even if he did pull sleepless nights studying the playbook, um, he just isn't good enough to perform. Um, so uh, mm. this season will be a big one. Um, a lot of Dolphins fans were already saying they want to move on from <laughs> Tua, which is interesting. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see him play this year, especially having Waddle. Um, and another sleeper pick at tight end for me, Mike Gesicki. Um, and then... Yeah, Devontae Parker, and I don't want to don't want to talk about him with you, but Miles Gaskin was my waiver savior last year, and he is looking like he's going to be mm. a solid flex play. Um, they have made it clear that he is RB one in Miami. Uh, they didn't bring anyone in in the offseason. They are confident in him, and so uh, he's got an electric offense around him. It's up to Tua to make things happen this year. So if you're listening, you can take all Josiah's uh, fantasy tips, and if you're in a league with him, yeah, he's gonna be yeah, really. Yeah, you. Um, if people are listening, they know my fantasy strategy on several things, um, and so I'm keeping most things to myself. I am running a lot of mock drafts already, um, but uh, most of my key pointers aren't out there. Let's just say that. Who knows? There you go. Maybe, so keep listening for more of those fantasy tips. Maybe I'm saving face, and maybe I'm just throwing out names that I don't have any uh, desire to draft. Who knows? No, I'm just kidding. Uh oh. Yeah. All right. So jumping forward, final question: Montrez Harrell seemed to be kind of kind of clear on Twitter, but kind of it. I was it was weird. We knew what he was talking about, but he didn't say it directly. Uh, but the Clippers going down 0-2. Montrez Harrell. Uh, on Twitter, kind of made some, took some shots at them, saying, "Hey, you called me the problem last year, one of the problems last year. Uh, tried to make me a scapegoat, and now, where are you? You're back to 0-2." Um, so there's two parts of this that are interesting. First off, what do you think about the Clippers being 0-2 without Montrezl Harrell, him taking some shots on Twitter? Uh, but then also, the fact that he took the shots while not playing a single minute for the Lakers uh, while they were playing their game against the Phoenix Suns. Mm. So, is it all bark and no bite for Montrezl Harrell? 
I mean, last year Schroeder deserved six man, uh, in my opinion. Uh, never really bought into the life of Montrez Harrell, and now he has found his way out of the rotation. Um, he went from being a starter on their team uh, to <laughs> he barely played 10 minutes against the Warriors. <laughs> he played 15 minutes first game against the Suns, and then he was completely out of the rotation uh, this last game against the Suns. Um, and so I, I've never been the really, really a big Montrezl Harrell supporter. I don't, I don't view him as being the player that he thinks he is. Um, I think he is a an all bark, no bite kind of guy, but also I I see how he benefited from the Clipper system that allowed him to be a, a rotational piece rather than a starter. Um, so I I think that both sides are <laughs> not benefiting at all. Um, Montrezl Harrell's value has gone down, so whenever he inevitably has to leave the Lakers, because whether I, I don't I don't think that they will welcome him back. I don't know if they'll sign him back. I, I could see him being a trade piece this offseason. Um, or um, you look at the Clippers who are who are not looking great at all. Um, they are falling apart in the playoffs once again. Um, so I think this is just a lose-lose situation. Um, Clippers lost an important rotational piece um, and a lot of fans were placing the blame on him, but now you have a guy that was was touted as a big name in the offseason and a big signing for the Lakers, who has now lost favor and fallen out of the rotation for guys like Drummond, guys like Marcus Gasol. Um, and I mean, of course, he was never going to have favor over Anthony Davis, but like the fact that those bigs are the ones that they're using at the rotation at the five, um, and Harold's not seeing much playing time at all, says a lot. Um, and so I think it's a lose-lose situation. I don't know why Harold is running his mouth, and I don't know why the Clippers are always touted as favorites whenever they fall apart all the time. All right, there it is. There's our speed round, lightning round with Yates. Yes. So I think you did pretty well there. Thank I think you. you had good takes on each of them. I even threw a golf question at you, trying to throw you <laughs> off a little bit. But uh, you were, you know, you were at least entertaining with uh, recognizing that you don't watch golf. Yeah. Um, golf is not your thing. I didn't bogey. It's not mine either. So. I didn't bogey. <laughs> you didn't bogey. <laughs> But a little birdie told me that it's time for some unpopular opinions uh, this week. So who's who's starting (laughs) it? So uh, I can give it a start. All right. Um, And I don't know if this is unpopular opinion. Uh, It's probably unpopular in some circles, but if you've been paying attention at all to the NBA draft that's coming up, and if you watch college basketball and are watching that, uh, really keeping up with it, here's my unpopular opinion. Um... And I'm just going to throw it out there. I was looking at mock draft earlier from NBC that had Kate Cunningham going number one uh, to the Rockets. Of course. It had Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga going number two to the Pistons. And then it had Evan Mobley, number three, uh, to the Magic. Here's my take on this. I believe that it is more beneficial 
to take, if you have somebody like an Evan Mobley, it's more beneficial to just go ahead and take a big man at number one than to try to take a guard. I think that we've seen more success. Um, I mean, it's so hit or miss. Here's the thing. Because when you come out with the draft, I think Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs are going to be great. This mm. year might not be the great greatest example of it. But if I'm going into a draft, I'm taking a risk. Whatever you're doing, you're taking a risk. Mm. And I think that there's a higher chance right now in the NBA of seeing a payoff from a big man than from a guard. Because mm. uh, you look around the NBA right now, and that's fair. Like, looking at the guards who are taking over the league right now, how many of them were taken number one? Looking at the forwards around the league, you have a lot of forwards who are really starting to, to show off, and that's a position in the NBA that isn't as... I mean, yes, you do have some very good forwards out there, but there's so many good mm. guards right now that are just lighting it up. We talked about it earlier. If I'm a team, I'm looking around and I'm saying, am I going to try to take a risk on a guard who just might add up to what these other guards are doing right now? Or do I pick a forward who we can develop, who has a lot of good skill and can become something really special in this league? Because I look even at, and this is another Arkansas thing, but I look even at Daniel Gafford with the Wizards this year. I'm not saying that he's a star at all, but that guy was taken in the second round Hung around the Chicago Bulls for a while, didn't really do much. Now he gets playing time with the Wizards, and he's become maybe their most important big man on that team uh, when he's out there on those minutes. He needs more minutes. And so the way that I see it, if you're taking a risk, either way in the draft, I think it's better to take a risk. Your odds are higher if you take a risk on a big man with number one. So I would take a player like Evan Mobley before I would take even Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs. Because I'm gonna play the odds here and say, I think we have a better payoff opportunity with one of those two. Does the other ones have higher potential? Maybe. But are they ever gonna pan out? We don't know. And what history would tell us, recent history at least, is the best guards are coming from a little bit later on in the draft. So, I don't know if that makes any sense, but this is just something that I'm working through these are unpopular opinions. I don't even know if I'm fully on board with this opinion, but it's something that's running through my head. That is fair. Um, Mobley has a thing that you can't teach and a skill that you can't develop. He has height. Um, and in a uh, positionless league, height is important. Um, and so I think that um, Houston doesn't necessarily need a big, so if they end up with the one pick, I don't see them going with Mobley. Um, that's weird that you saw the Magic taking Mobley at three because I, I think they need a role with Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba. I need, I think they need to start giving Mo Bamba more chances because for some reason he's fallen mm-hmm. out of favor in Orlando, but he he has shown um, in these last games throughout the season that he uh, he has a lot of potential. They just aren't developing him in the way that they should. Um, but... Uh, I could I could see a team like Detroit who needs a big man. Uh, they need a whole lot of things, but um, I think that a big man would make more of an instant impact for a team like uh, Detroit uh, rather than a guard. So I, I definitely understand where you're coming from with that. Um, and Mobley is a special talent. Um, I... I'm sold on Moses Brown and Tony, Tony Bradley in OKC, but I'd also love to see... Uh, Mobley come in and find uh, 
find a role with us. Uh, we could uh, maybe convert him to the four. We could definitely use a four right about now. Um, just for some development um, in that spot, because that's probably our weakest spot at the moment. Um, if you consider Baisley and uh, Poku as threes, which I, I do, the way that they play, I think that both of them are mm -hmm. at the three. Um, I think that we're set with Lou, we're set with Shea. I'd love to see a guy like Evan Mobley come in. But also, I wouldn't complain if we got a, <laughs> if we got a Cade Cunningham. So... That is interesting. Uh, that is an interesting take, and uh, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from, and I don't think that um, it'll necessarily be one that'll have people at your throat, but uh, it's a definitely a good, maybe less popular take for sure, and I think that Mobley is going well, to just yeah. to, just to solidify it a little more i was just looking through i mean obviously anthony edwards was taken last year and it looks like he's gonna pan out great for the great for the timberwolves Absolutely. uh even though they still are forever away from making the playoffs and they don't have um, their pick this year if it's not top three which i don't think it will be because i think it's gonna end up being a yeah. golden state pick Blech. but i mean looking back then Okay, so you had Anthony Edwards. Otherwise, Love my low I mean, ball. the last guard that I see that really panned out um, in a number one pick situation, the last guard that I see panned out, uh, Markel Fultz was taken in 2018, but he didn't really go that far. I mean, he's over in Orlando now, just kind of filling that role. Torn ACL. Ben Simmons. And what's interesting about Ben Simmons, he's not really a true point guard. He also a big man uh, at times mm -hmm. when you need him to be. So I just... Which you could say the same thing for Cade. Here, I mean, you got... Same thing for Cade Cunningham. Um, he is... It's he's true, touted it's true. As a he is more of a forward, yeah. and so... Because he's 6'8". And that's where you could take it. Because there's a guy... So maybe Cade Cunningham is the exception on this draft. Maybe you take him one. I wouldn't take Suggs number two. Mm. I would go with Mobley. Um... And looking down the list, though, still, I mean, I it, with each draft, it feels like you see somebody, you see a team that took a guard and then probably wished that they didn't a little while later. Oh, yeah. Um, because, like, Jason Tatum's year that he was taken, there were a couple guards taken before him. And I, wish that, or I bet there are teams that, yeah, I bet there are teams that are wishing that they had taken Tatum in that moment instead, so... That's just my take. Uh, like you said, maybe not an unpopular take, but not a super popular take. So, what do you have? <laughs> um, and I'm not really big into UFC, MMA, whatever the fighting world is. Um, but I'm absolutely stoked for this fight. When I'm hoping that there's an official date drop soon. So my unpopular opinion, go ahead and look up the poster for this fight whenever I say it, because if you don't recognize the names, just Google Google <laughs> blank versus blank, and then look at, the, look at the first image that pops up and tell me you're not excited about it. I think that Hasbulla versus Abdu is going to be one of the most exciting matches we've seen in a long time. Um... Hasbulla, the the guy on the left in the green, guess how old he is? 
Can you say that other name one more time? Hezbollah and who? Hezbollah and Abdu. H-A-S-B-U-L-L-A-H versus A-B-D-U. Hezbollah versus Abdu is going to be the fight of the year. And I think that teams, people need to start marketing it better because it is going to be absolutely hysterical. I, I mean, I saw, um, I saw a TikTok a few months ago of Hezbollah. He is, uh, part of, wait a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Hezbollah is part of, um, Khabib's team that rolled around with him. Um, and so, uh, I saw a video of him falling over in a car and it made me laugh, made me really appreciate Hezbollah. So are we looking at the same thing here? Yes. Hezbollah versus Abdu. It looks like I'm looking at toddlers. It looks like I'm looking at two children right now. Yeah. Just like wow. Guess how guess okay. how old they are. Um I'd say four and five. Eighteen and seventeen. You are kidding me. <laughs> if so- you are listening to this, literally. Google that right now, Hasbula and Abdul, and you will be shocked. If you haven't already Googled it, Google it right now. I couldn't believe, I was sure I spelled his name wrong because I, these are literally toddlers, but they aren't. No, they just have something that has made them look way younger than they actually are. Um, Doctors can't necessarily find it out, but I don't know, and there may be something unethical about it um i don't know but i i feel like this is gonna be such an entertaining fight and the fact that they're both so down for it (laughs) go watch their press conference and oh it is just top tier comedy um they they're they're both russian i believe and so you uh can't really understand what they're saying but i saw one comment that was translated and it was like come near me again and it'll be your last move um and so they're just absolutely in it they're marketing it well um it's really started to take off over the last week um and so i am fully sold on Hasbulla versus Abdu. I think it's going to be one of the most exciting fights um, that we've seen in a long time. Maybe even better than a Mayweather versus Pacquiao. I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> I I'm just fully sold on it. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be just a lot of pure entertainment. Um, <laughs> and I always. So here's the deal. Yeah. <laughs> I view it like I'm looking through here right now and people are asking, is it unethical, all these things. If these two guys are both over 18 and they want to do this, then let's go for it. I say let's see it. Like, and this is going to be, I'm watching, I'm seeing right now, like they did their whole weigh-in thing where they face each other off and the guy had to hold them apart. Like, this is going to be something special. Yes, I... I think this is unpopular just because not enough people know about it. Like, <laughs> Hezbollah versus Abdu is going to be the fight of the year, whether you tune in or not. You're going to be seeing highlights of it, um, and I don't know. I just think it's going to be absolutely electric. If there, I think that Abdu is going to be 18 by the time that the fight would take place, um, and so 
I, I think we just need to get it going. I'm ready for an official Look, date to been... be dropped. I'm ready for more marketing to go on. I've been following both of them and uh, the guy that was pictured with them, uh, their interviewer, um, on Instagram now just for more updates, just for more content. Um, a video of Abdu eating a hamburger popped up on my TikTok for you page the other day. He just picks it up and he goes, Porker! And it's just quality content, like all around, just so wholesome, so pure. Wow. And then <laughs> now you're throwing them in a if ring you're together. If you're listening right now, if you haven't turned <laughs> us off over the course of this episode, if you're out there listening right now and you have heard us talk about the NBA, you've heard us talk about the NFL and Julia <laughs> Jones, you've heard us talk about... All kinds of things about lightning round and, you know, first round draft picks. What do you do? Forget it all. <laughs> if you don't remember, Hasbula and Abdul is going to happen. This is 2021 <laughs> looking to redeem itself and say, we're going to give you a gift of Hasbula and Abdul. Squaring off. It's better you than any. Look this up. I am completely sold on it now, Josiah. It's better than either of the Paul brothers' fights. It's better than, like, I don't. I mean, I don't keep up with UFC, oh. MMA, any of that stuff. It, Can I say real quick? Yes. Those Paul brothers. I'm not a UFC fan. I wish that they would stop. Yeah. And the reason I wish that they would stop is just because. I don't think that they're helping the sports world no. at all. And so that's why I would want them to stop is just because I'm all for having fun, all these things, but they're taken away from other things that are going on. People that have and trained their just, whole lives know, to fight. I, like, exactly. And then now you have Bryce Hall trying to start an MMA career, and it's just they just need to stop. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas... I was about to say social media influencers shouldn't fight, whereas these two have built social media followings, but they also have been involved in the uh, in the UFC world, um, like Hezbollah hanging out with Khabib, uh, and I think that Abdu- I don't know how involved in the uh, MMA uh, mixed martial arts fighting scene Abdu is, but um, the fact that they are quite literally built the same and they like they sound the same and i i'm just absolutely sold on this fight this is something that i'm absolutely super stoked about and i think that it could go down as one of the (laughs) one of the better fights in mma history just from a from a meme perspective i again i'm just absolutely sold on it you need to, you need to watch all the videos more so we can talk about it more in depth next week. I want to see who you're. I will plan on who it. you're rooting for. Um, I'll just go ahead and tell you early on. I am well, I'm I am rooting for Hezbollah. Um, he is definitely developing okay. more of a um, villain persona, and so I may be sold on Abdu later on. Um, but my early pick would be Hezbollah. Uh, just because of uh, he was the 
first that I was introduced to, um, the first that I've seen content on, and so, and I know more about Hezbollah. Maybe if I know more about Abdu, maybe I'll be sold on him, but this is going to be fight of the year, and that is my not-so-unpopular opinion. I, like I said, I think it's unpopular just because people don't know about it. Another thing, I'm also, right now, and I may switch jobs, uh, I may switch to Abdul just so that we can be against each other on this. So we can we track can this pose. fight uh, as we go through the podcast here. <laughs> but uh, look up Hasbullah after you look up their videos, after you see the fights, uh, stuff, all the build up towards it. Click on the shopping tab in uh, Google and look at like type in Hasbullah T-shirt and click on the shopping tab, and you will find some of the best T-shirts you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Um, and do yourself a favor, do that right now. If you're still listening to this show, we'll be right back to wrap it up, but please, if you don't remember anything else, remember, Abdul, Hasbulla, the fight's gonna happen. So, be on the watch for that. Great unpopular opinion, Yach. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad that I could introduce you to it. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Marston Sipes Sports Podcast featuring Yeach. Make sure to like and subscribe to the show on the streaming platform of your choice. Well, this is it. This is our last segment uh, of the day. It's just me, Marst, and uh, Yeach here. We've been here on the Marston Sipe Sports Podcast featuring Yeach. Uh, we know Ben this week, so he's on his honeymoon. Uh, excited to have him back in the next week, though. Yep, next week we'll get him. We'll get him stoked about Hasbulla versus Abdu. Hasbulla versus Abdu. I want to know who he roots for. I'll make my pick about who I root for based off of him. So if he chooses Hasbulla, I'll go Abdu. Absolutely. If he chooses Abdul, I'm sticking with Hasbulla. So. That's what we'll that's what we'll go for. Um, but what are oh. just some takeaways, final thoughts, things that you're looking forward to this week that maybe our listeners should look forward to? Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to more NFL offseason development. Um, whenever there is something exciting uh, for the NFL offseason, you jump all in. So I'm hoping to learn more about the Aaron Rodgers situation, learn more about the Julio Jones situation. Um, Todd Gurley visiting Detroit. What are the fantasy implications there for DeAndre Swift? Um, do, do they not believe in him? Uh, and so there are just a lot of interesting things that are still yet to happen in the NFL offseason. And so I'm excited to see developments there. I'm excited to see um, just how the NBA playoffs turn out. Um, we're continuing to get excited about uh, second round Um next episode we'll have some series that have wrapped up um some series that'll be going in further games and so i'm i'm interested to see nba playoffs develop and i am interested to see if we get an official date for an has uh, for a hasbulla versus a dupe fight because we don't have an official date yet but i'm hoping oh just an absolute gift i don't know what day it is this year let me scroll down just an absolute gift. Let's just, while be, you're looking that up, if it were. Let's go ahead and yeah. start a GoFundMe to get the three of us to the Hasbulla Abdul fight. 
Oh, absolutely. Let's let's get it rolling. Let's get it going. Um, so my birthday's on a Wednesday this year. So it w- it the fight wouldn't happen on my birthday since it's on a Wednesday. I figure it'll be mm. a Saturday, but an absolute gift would be if it was happening uh maybe like Saturday the 6th or Saturday the 13th of November cuz I figure it's not going to be um soon. I'm hoping it's 2021. Um so it's but, right around your birthday. Let's again, get that GoFundMe going. Let's get Yeah Yeach a birthday present he'll never forget. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then what are what are some of your takeaways and something you're looking forward to most? Takeaways, I'm just I'm really enjoying that talk about the NBA and the passing the torch. Um, I think it's happened at different times throughout the league uh, where it's kind of a one-to-one passing the torch. You think about uh, Jordan passing it to Kobe, Kobe passing it to LeBron, but now it feels like kind of as a league, you got a lot of star players who are passing the torch all at once. Um, and so I'm excited about that for a takeaway. Uh, things I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to this Hawks and Knicks matchup. Um, I think it's just going to get more intense as we go. I do think this series is going seven. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to the last shot in game seven, too. Like, I think it's about as close as can be. Um, and I really don't have a horse in that race, so I'm just interested to see a good series uh, back and forth about who who comes out on top. Yes, indeed. Uh I'm sure you. I couldn't agree more. I'm sure you're on your Spike so, Lee, still hoping that those Knicks win. But I, I'm, I'm a, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting fully sold on New York Knicks basketball. Um, and so they might be, they might be taking my third favorite spot here pretty soon if they can keep Julius Randle around. Because uh, I am a, I'm an OKC boy, and then I'm an Orlando boy just because mm-hmm. of Shaquille O'Neal, my Florida roots, being born in Gainesville, Florida. Um, but never hurts to have a third favorite team, and if uh, if Julius Randle can still be the face of Nick basketball for a while, I'm I may just have to be sold on New York Nick basketball. When I, while we're going through a rebuild in OKC, OKC is still number one in my heart. Absolutely, Orlando is going through a rough period as well, and so if I had to pick a team that I'm rooting for that's successful right now, it's definitely New York basketball. There you go, New York Knicks. Not, not, not Brooklyn, New York. No, New York, New York. I mean, it does become interesting York, though Knicks. for bandwagoners. I mean, who do you choose between uh, two big market teams? New York, New York. I mean, <laughs> yeah. What do you do there? But no, I think it's yeah. I think it's awesome to see. I think it's just good for the NBA. The NBA is a better. The NBA is a better league when you can at least talk about the New York Knicks. Um, and so I think. That's a Absolutely. Good so, yeah. that losing Melo in New York really absolutely just hurt the league. Whenever you lose the importance of New York Knicks basketball for a long time, and they become that meme team, kind of like how we saw with Los Angeles uh, for a while in Kobe's last years. Um, absolutely. With the Lakers being a meme team, but which can we talk about how just absolutely loaded that roster would be if they had kept everyone they drafted over the years. You got Brandon Ingram, you got Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Kuzma, uh, Lonzo Ball. But, I mean, just so much talent that they drafted, and they just couldn't develop. And so they moved on from them early. And it's an interesting question. ridiculous. I'm not a Lakers fan, so I'm not the one to talk to about this, but I'd be interested to talk to a Lakers fan about it. Would you rather right now... 
have the team that you have today or a team with all the mm-hmm. like would you have rather stuck it out like obviously with they got all a those championship guys with and it. D'Angelo Russell mhm yeah obviously they got a championship out of it mm-hmm. with making the LeBron and AD move and all those things but would you have rather stuck it out and now who knows if they were still going who knows how big of a future that they could have uh for the next 5 years 6 years i mean it's exactly. an interesting choice. Or here's another interesting hypothetical that we could maybe talk about in a future episode. Would the Lakers rather have LeBron, because LeBron was going to L.A. regardless, would they rather have Anthony Davis and the supporting cast they have now or no Anthony Davis and all of the supporting cast that they had from their draft mm, picks? That's the a great 2010s. question. Um, yeah, a backcourt of Lonzo and D'Angelo Russell, sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Julius Randle, Kyle Kuzma holding down the four. Uh, you got Vika Zubac at the five. Um, Brandon Ingram being a sixth man to LeBron. Um, baby Durant next to him. So a lot. that's an interesting question. That's uh, a great question. That we could maybe talk about someday. Let's hang on to that question for next week with uh... – Ben, when he comes back, yeah. can't wait to welcome Excited. him back into the studio, if you're going to call this a studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can't wait to hear his take on Hasbulla versus Abdul. Hasbulla versus um, Abdul. And if you have mm. any takes on Hasbulla versus Abdul, maybe you think that it is uh, unethical. We'd be interested in having that conversation if you're out there thinking that. We think it's good because, hey, they want to do it. So, but... Uh, Go ahead and chime in if you have any thoughts about the NBA, the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball. We haven't really touched on this episode, but if you have any thoughts there, go ahead. Find us on Twitter or find us on any other social media. Go Royals. Go Royals for uh, Yates. Go A's on my side. They're doing great. Hashtag green collar. Uh, but until then, this has been Marst and Yates. And we will join Yach. you again next time on the Marst and Sight Sports Podcast. Stay safe out there, everybody. It's a cold world. <laughs>